0: That's it! What? What'd I say? Al Bundy, you are charged with crimes against obesity. (laughs) Two, four, six, eight, don't make fun of
1: our weight! Two, four, six, eight, don't
2: make fun of our weight! One, two, three, four, you're gonna fall through the floor!
3: Let's rock. Can I get it
0: open?
2: No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast.
3: Welcome back to the Married with Children Podcast. This is Luigi. And today... I want to be all alone having breakfast with my loved ones.
4: Aww, that's so
3: sweet. At the Jiggly Room. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm joined today by my fearless co-host, Chris Gunter.
5: Welcome back, Chris. How's it going, Luigi? Yes, this is Chris. Remember the cardinal rules on my birthday. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. No sex. (laughs) Order in
6: the court. Quarter pounder. Big Mac. Fish? Large fries. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and we're joined today by the great Annabelle, down under an adelaide. Hi, Annabelle.
4: Hello. Yes, it's Annabelle here. I think I'll stick around until 3.30 and get my overtime.
3: Yeah. Okay. And, of course, we have a special guest co-host today, the great Carolyn. Welcome back, Carolyn.
6: Hi. You know, easy if you see my stripper name.
3: <laughs> <laughs> today we are reviewing season 11 episode 9 crimes against obesity original air date december 29 1996 when al goes too far with the fat insults he's put on trial by all the obese women he has insulted over the years director amanda burse writer russell marcus Special guest stars: Harold Sylvester as Griff, Diana Bellamy as Shirley, Cassie Davis as Patty, Donica Sheridan as Matilda, Jennifer Eccles as Gwen, Helen Siff as Leona, Kelly L. Goodman as Barbara, Nicole Nagorski as Penelope, Ivan De La Pa as Angry Juror, Lucky the Dog as Lucky the Dog. And we also have some archival footage, which features Hill Harper, Rich Scheidner, and Chime McBride. After years of insults, El's customers are getting even. We are activists.
2: Oh, I'd say not quite active enough. Married with Children, a
7: brand new episode next.
3: So welcome back, everyone. And uh, Carolyn, it's great to have you on. I know the fans of the podcast really love when you review these episodes.
6: Oh, thanks, Luigi.
3: So thank you again for joining us. And uh, it's great to have you both you and Annabelle, I mean, our fang contingent of the Married with Children podcast, <laughs> on. Uh, and, uh, you know, when we looked at the uh, list for uh, season 11 in terms of recording, I guess uh, sort of the roulette. Fell on me to do the recording with Chris, but we could not do crimes with <laughs> crimes against obesity without a uh, gender balanced uh, podcast team. So, <laughs> so thanks for that, and I think it's going to be fun.
6: I think it's a great idea.
3: Let's get started. The title for this episode comes from the phrase "crimes against humanity." Crimes against humanity are certain acts that are purposely committed as part of a widespread or systematic attack directed against any civilian or an identifiable part of a civilian population. The first prosecution for crimes against humanity took place at the Nuremberg Trials.
7: This was the tragic fulfillment of a program of intolerance and arrogance. Vengeance is not our goal, nor do we seek merely a just retribution. We ask this court to affirm, by international penal action, man's right to live in peace and dignity, regardless of his race or creed. The case we present is a plea of humanity to law. We shall establish, beyond the realm of doubt, facts which, before the dark decade of the Third Reich, Would have seemed incredible.
3: Crimes against humanity have since been prosecuted by other international courts, for example, the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia, the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda, and the International Criminal Court, as well as in domestic prosecutions. And Al Bundy is finally going to be prosecuted in this episode for his crimes against the obese. And uh, I guess first question, I guess before we get started, is do you think it's warranted?
5: (laughs) Uh, Well, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I guess are we talking about it in like real life or are we talking about it in in TV land? (laughs) Well, I guess both, right? (laughs) I mean, he certainly dealt out some punishment over the years. No doubt about that to customers at the shoe store. But I mean, I think it's fair to say that, you know, some of the customers at least have dealt out some punishment to him as well. I think this was a great idea for an episode. I think it's a great title, Crimes Against Obesity. I mean, just the the title itself is intriguing. You know, it's going to be something good.
6: (laughs) I do have to say that Al Bundy is one of the few TV characters that Carmen always does catch up with him. He gets away with almost nothing. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, yes. Yes. And the fact that it all happens on his birthday, stopping him from going out and having fun, I mean, more fun, because he's already had a great day, is uh, typically Al. Perfect Bundy look. Yes, exactly.
3: In prior interviews, Ed O'Neill has said that generally when he has been sort of attacked first, his attack back was somewhat justified. And he said that, you know, as the years go on, I mean, if we sort of look at the way the insults have gone through the years, it got to a point where he's doing the insulting and it doesn't seem as sympathetic. Yeah. You know, and I, and I will tend to agree with that.
8: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Most of the insults happen, at least for what they show, because this is a flashback type of uh, episode you know, with showing older scenes. Uh, Most of them seem to center around season eight. And I would say season eight was when sort of that, I'm going to use this phrase, Al crossed the Rubicon, where, like I'd say, in prior prior seasons, there was usually some kind of justifications. But around season eight, it's almost like he went on the attack. And quite frankly, he's not as sympathetic.
8: Yeah.
6: Sometimes a lady would uh, say a line, say an insult to him first. Like, you know, you're going you're gonna to be here for the rest of your life, that sort of thing. However, you're right. When he would just start up with it, if the woman was just sitting there being, you know, being large, then it's not as sympathetic.
5: Yeah. You know, uh, when we were talking about the possibility of the animated reboot that's supposed to be coming here in the next uh, year or so, uh, one of the things I mentioned was that, I know a lot of times people are concerned that uh, this type of humor wouldn't be, you know, acceptable on television or wouldn't work on television. What I said, the, the way to make it work is to make Al be on the defense. A woman walks into the shoe store, insults him because he's balding or insults him because he yes. can't please his wife or what have yeah. you. And then he fires back with "Hoggin and Dots <laughs> the joke or something, you know <laughs> what I mean? or a Jenny Craig joke, or what have you. <laughs> I think that's the way to do it. Whenever you make him the sympathetic character, you make, you make him on the defense versus him just dishing it out right off the bat, so to speak. And something that's interesting, you know, uh, Luigi, if you remember back whenever um, uh, Alex and Annabelle were interviewing Michael Moyer, one of the things Michael said was that originally Al was going to work at the uh, uh, the DMV. He was going to be a DMV <laughs> employee. But uh, I can't remember if it was if it was Michael or if it was Ron or someone witnessed uh, someone was shopping at a shoe store and they witnessed uh, an obese customer just laying into the shoe store employee <laughs> and they <laughs> and they decided like Al Al has to be Al Bundy has to be a shoe store employee because that's perfect.
3: <laughs> I- you no, know, the story actually was from Michael Moyer that they had someone that they knew that if you remember uh, from the interview he said that. There was someone that they knew in common who actually okay. was wealthy, and he married a woman who was uh, not wealthy, but she was trying to figure out what he he said, quote, creative ways of spending money. So <laughs> she was a, a woman who had a shoe salesman come to her house, and the shoe salesman would be berated by the wife and the seven-year-old daughter. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> that was the story, and... You know, when I produced that episode and I heard that story from Michael moyer, I actually thought of the scene in this episode when it's Penelope with her mother who says, uh, "You know, chocolate—it's the—it's uh, not just for breakfast anymore." Wearing yep. your shirt, <laughs> who? Um, mm-hmm. Adam, uh, well, actually, Carolyn, you know, we reviewed that episode. That's. We did uh, yeah. That, that was my episode with my one-hit wonder Dexter.
6: Yes, that's right. That that was a good one.
3: Right. So. So that's why, like when I inserted the clip, like describing it, it's like, this is exactly what it is. It's like a mother and daughter, you know, berating the shoe salesman. So that's where it comes Mm -hmm. from, yeah. according to Mm -hmm.
5: him. Yeah. And you can almost see that in the pilot episode, too. You have the well, it's a little bit different, I guess. But you have, uh, you know, the kid that's uh, that's uh, beating those hundred dollar pumps up, you know, and uh, (laughs) the very first time we ever see Al in the shoe store, he insults a fat woman.
3: That's right, <laughs> uh, and you know, I mean, I really, I'd say what's historic about this is that you know, and I guess as we get into it, you know, the very first person he insulted is the presiding judge in this episode. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so I mean, one thing I will say, and you know, Annabelle, oh, oh, you always talk about how Married with Children lacks continuity. This is probably mm-hmm. one of those few episodes when we see a lot of continuity, a lot of callbacks uh, uh, to to the past.
8: Oh
5: yeah, yeah. That's great, by the way. That's great that they got her to come back. Uh, That was a nice touch. I sort of laugh though because I'm like, (laughs) she has great patience and tolerance to keep going back to the shoe store after being insulted. That's right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I mean, if I got insulted like that at a business, I would never go back in there ever. Even were ten years later. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of the other
3: things, as I was looking at the notes and I was rewatching this episode, you know, sometimes we talk about, uh, you know, historic things. So at the beginning of season 11, I had the pleasure with Chris to interview Rich Scheidner, who was Luke Ventura in season one. And that was a really fun episode. And this episode is the only episode of Married with Children where we actually have on screen every single co-worker of Al Bundy's appears on there. if even Oh, movie. wow. Oh, that's so, great. So we have, uh, there's Luke appears uh, with the Diana Bellamy scene. We have Aaron appearing on here, who was the second on-screen uh, sidekick for Al. We have Dexter. He actually appears twice. Like I said, that's the reason why I feel like he's my one-hit wonder. And of course, mm-hmm. Griff has dialogue within the episode itself. So just like in uh, season seven, when the one episode, the, the um, pirate episode, when you actually had the entire Bundy family, including Seven, including Buck, Marcy... Jefferson and Steve Rhodes, mm-hmm. you know, I mean like that that was a historic episode You had them all on screen for once and this is actually the one where we see all of Al's sidekicks. So
5: yeah Good observation
3: one of my favorites,
5: you know I wonder, you know not to go too far down a rabbit hole, but you know whenever we interdu- interviewed Rich one of the things we talked about was uh, he, he has the one appearance in the middle of uh, season nine nine was it where they just yep. showed his photo I wonder for this this brief stock footage here. I wonder if he got a, a royalty check or or anything out of it. <laughs> and I wonder, you know, if Dexter and if uh, Hill Harper, uh-huh. and, you know what I mean. I wonder if they got royalty checks for that. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's a great question. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Maybe
6: like like three cents or so. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say if they did, they <laughs> probably don't even
5: realize it because it's like a quarter or something. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every little bit helps, as they say, right?
6: It does.
3: Without giving too much away, let's get underway. So we open with, it's Al's birthday.
1: Okay, kids, you know what
7: today is?
5: Mom, don't ask Kelly tough questions like that.
7: <laughs> you know what today is? It's, it's the bright, sunny part before tonight.
1: <laughs> I guess I shouldn't have cleaned your crib with Easy Off. Mm.
6: <laughs> I have a question. Where the hell did Bud get cereal? <laughs>
4: Right.
3: Good observation. (laughs) Uh, Any of you familiar with Easy Off?
6: Yes. (laughs) It was one of the earliest oven cleaners that you could buy in a store.
7: Think I'll clean the oven next summer. Don't put it off. Use your easy off. Now? Sure, do it now. There'll be a lot less mess, and it's easier than you think. Let Easy Off's foaming action turn hard black grease soft brown and soapy. Just wipe clean. A sparkling clean oven and a lot less mess. Don't put it off. Use your easy off. Easy off makes oven cleaning easier. Regular or lemon scent.
3: Yeah, my mother swears by it.
7: Yes.
6: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> It is very strong, very uh, very odorous.
5: <laughs> uh, first of all, you know, one of the notes here is, uh, since when would Peg actually have cleaning supplies at home? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, Off is the brand name of a range of cleaning products sold by the consumer products manufacturer Reckitt Benic- uh, ben Kaiser. The products marketed under the brand name included a degreaser, cleaning crystals, and a grime, rust, and mold limescale remover.
3: I mean, and I guess if you sniff it too much of it, it'll kill some brain cells. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's the reason why uh, Peg says, I guess I shouldn't have cleaned her crib with Easy Off.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Listen, Slow White. <laughs>
0: it's Dad's birthday.
3: <laughs> and, and then we have a, a reference to uh, Slow White,
4: <laughs> uh, Okay, Snow White. <laughs> The Snow White, I mean, sorry, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is a 1937 American animated musical fantasy film produced by Walt Disney Productions and originally released by RKO Radio Pictures. Based on the German fairy tale by the Brothers Grimm, it is the first full length cell animated feature film and the earliest Disney animated feature film.
5: I had no idea that Snow White was that old. Oh, yeah. 1937. That's amazing.
4: Predates Pinocchio.
5: Yeah, I mean, hell, it predates The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz was 1939, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Or 1939, that's right?
6: Yeah. yeah. You're right, yes, and the, the fairy tale is even more ancient.
5: So Al comes
3: down the stairs.
2: For I'm a jolly good fellow. <laughs> For I'm a jolly good fellow. For I'm a jolly good fellow.
7: Who never zips up his fly. <laughs>
1: I you didn't like birthdays
2: uh, your birthday peg i like getting older because that means i'm one year closer to death one thing
3: here uh annabelle i uh, wanted to ask you this one it's like he's welcoming death now you covered that uh back in uh, uh season eight right the, the village people episode correct oh yes yep don't don't you think that uh, al shouldn't be you know calling for death anymore
4: <laughs> After knowing what she looks like.
1: it means I'm one year closer to my successful second husband.
7: Oh, Stepdad! Step 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 <laughs> Come on, tell us, Mom. What's he gonna be like? Yeah, he's gonna be real cool, right? And I'll have lots of young hot stepsisters.
1: Now, kids, you know the rules. No talking about Lance until daddy's on the respirator.
3: And for the ladies, uh, for both of you, so Peg's fantasy man is named Lance. So, you know, Lance keeps popping up. We had that in Kiss of the Coffee Woman. I think there were some other episodes. So I'd be curious to know, like, where does this Lance uh, person come from?
6: When I think of a Lance, I think of like kind of a 70s fantasy action hero or either that or the sidekick in a detective story. He's very dashing. (laughs) I only only knew one actual person named Lance and he was a nice kid, but nothing special. (laughs) All
4: right. Yeah, I don't know anybody called Lance or Lance, but yeah, to me it it screams a romance novel fantasy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So I'll, I'll be bilingual. So for Lance, right? I mean, we assume he's going to have like long hair, right, uh, on top of uh, some kind of yeah. u- white unicorn or something like that.
6: <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I, actually, I think of Lance as being very sharply dressed, very a, a very a very sharp dressed guy in like a natty suit with uh, medallions and his uh, chest hair showing. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just see it. <laughs>
4: Yeah. It's a name I mean, they Lance. like to give to to soap opera characters. You know, like in like last season yes. Jefferson's watching TV. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Don't do it, Lance. She's really your sister.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lance Lance definitely has the sound of someone that would be like a ladies man, you know, a Casanova, you know, that type of type mm-hmm. of character, for sure.
6: Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, I only know one Lance and you no know... <laughs> Okay. <laughs>
2: Now, if you're done, I'd like to discuss the three cardinal rules of my birthday. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. No sex.
7: (laughs) Gee, bud. Sounds like your prom night.
2: (laughs) As much as I appreciated last year's lavish gift, a bar of Irish spring...
7: With instructional video.
1: I thought it was the perfect gift. Soap on a dope.
3: We find out that it's Al's birthday, and last year he got a bar of Irish Spring with instructional videos. So, uh, <laughs> Ka- Carolyn, you're Irish, right? I mean, like, what's your, what, what's your um, opinion on Irish Spring soap?
6: Irish Spring, yes. It's a deodorant soap. It's pretty basic, pretty strong. You know, uh, that means that it's often used by men. There's very few soaps that are actually marketed to men in the U.S. In the ads that I remember from the 80s and 90s, this manly man would sit by a spring with an accent and uh, take his take his jackknife and and carve carve the soap and show the stripes in it even though you can see the stripes from the outside he just liked to carve things up so so irish spring is a very manly soap which i don't think would impress al at all because it's soap but
7: (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Ah, the freshness of a spring morning reminds me of the freshness of my irish spring soap it's springtime in a bar. In these green and white stripes are two deodorants that leave you feeling clean and fresh a long, long time. Irish spring.
2: Now that's my kind of soap.
7: And we like it too.
2: <laughs> a
7: Irish spring leaves you feeling clean and fresh a long, long time
3: has a very distinct smell that that yes. I, I will give it that it's very mm-hmm. distinct from any other soap that's out there now is that something that's available in australia annabelle
4: well if it is i've certainly never seen it but i, I don't i'm not familiar with the commercials or anything we do have easy off though I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so it's called easy it's called easy off and I, the ad goes easy off bam because it's easy off bam easy off bam and you're and you're soap and your scum is gone or something but i always think of because it's so strong i think of it as easy off bam and your immune system is gone yes yeah (laughs) i don't want to inhale it but yes iris spring no i'm not familiar
5: with it Mm -hmm. so i do need an instructional video for it i was going to tell you oddly enough i can't use it it uh it irritates my skin
6: (laughs) interesting interesting Yeah. yeah like i said it is pretty strong it comes in uh there's a green variety and a blue variety but they all smell
5: the same. Yeah, I've never been able to use it. Every time I've ever used it, it's always irritated my skin.
2: (laughs) This year, all I want is to be alone, having breakfast with my loved ones.
8: Oh, Daddy. And the
2: Jiggly Room. (laughs) Then, after work, I'm going to cash in my free birthday coupons. you're supposed to be under six to get this ice cream.
1: (laughs) Well, if that was in inches, you could get a double scoop.
8: (laughs)
2: Laugh
1: all you want, Peg. Yeah, oh, thanks, Al. But after sex last night, I'm all laughed out.
2: <laughs> Speaking of a pig in a blanket, I have an IHOP coupon here I'm not sharing with anybody.
7: God, old daddy's mean. Come on, let's make a birthday card for our new daddy, Lance. All right. <laughs>
2: The
3: family's actually trying to celebrate Al's birthday. Now, Al's birthday, we've talked about this before. It's many, many different dates. But I, I think the what we've uh, sort of focused the most on is November, a
4: November date, right? I believe it's November 8th, Annabelle. Is that right? November 7th. Yeah, because people thought it was July 11th. Yeah. Right.
3: Because, uh, you know, at one point, Peg says that he's a cancer and he says right back at you. <laughs>
4: which,
8: which would point
3: to a late June, early July birthday, but his license says November, so it's November seventh. I said, I- I'm going to trust your date over mine. So, <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, his, his license it says eleven seven forty eight, so it'd be American.
3: Which would sort of make sense. I mean, this episode is airing at the end of December. Uh, it was probably filmed a few months before, so it's in the it's in the fall.
6: Yeah, we we'll right. go with it. Okay. We, we allow it. <laughs> Although, as I have Mag with children, like most sitcoms, is out of time. No one is wearing even a sweater <laughs> in Chicago in November.
3: <laughs> that, that's a very good point, Carolyn. Very, yep. very good point. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's like the one place you don't want to visit <laughs> that time of year.
8: Nope. Like I, nope. I feel like <laughs> if
3: you want to visit Chicago, the best time to go is like May... It's like May and like the beginning of June. You don't want to be there in the summer. And then maybe like you'll go in like uh, October, you know, maybe like in October. But then it's like too cold. I mean, it's Chicago weather just really has a lot of extremes.
8: Mm-hmm.
3: So we get all of these uh, sort of sex jokes and bantering. Well, at first they want to do something nice for him. He wants to be with his loved ones at the Jiggly Room. <laughs> uh, and then he wants to cash in his free birthday coupons. <laughs> and he's supposed to be under six to get it and peg says well if it's an inches he'd get a double scoop
8: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
6: I, I think you can tell it's the 11th season they just don't care <laughs> Hey,
5: you know i i gotta say i really enjoy the uh the dialogue here at the house here in the opening scene which is kind of unusual uh in you know, season 11 the the writing is not all that great but uh I really enjoyed the you know, the sex banter, the, the birthday jokes. It was corny, but good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. How about you guys?
6: Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah, well, it's just nice to have the whole family together. Yeah, absolutely. It's no, very good rare. Point.
6: Yeah, you know, usually the storylines carry them apart this uh, late in the run. Usually they have so much of their own lives, they are running out on their own a lot. And, and can I give a quick shout-out to uh, Al stripe shirt? He dressed up for his birthday. I like it. Yeah, that's right. Long, long sleeve striped shirt and tie. I mean, they clash, but you know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I, I remember that Annabelle. You don't like the olive shirt that they went to in, in the later seasons, correct? So, uh, this may be a little bit of an improvement. Well, I,
4: I don't. I don't mind it. It's just. It's just a bit, a bit too nice for Al, I think. But um, uh-huh. it, yeah. it, what got me was the really short ties that he wears. That just look really silly. <laughs> Well, he doesn't know how to make a tie. That—that's problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, in here he's apparently his fly is undone, but um, barely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you remember in the
3: episode when um, Jimmy gets married.
8: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, you remember, like yeah. how they're playing around with the tie. It's like Peg's making the tie for him, right? Because he couldn't make it.
4: Yeah, now it's too long. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, some women like it that way.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, boy. So now we cut to the shoe store. Al and Jefferson walk in, and Griff is waiting for them.
2: Ah, oh, boy, that jiggly room, that serves a good breakfast. <laughs> yeah, the melons, the muffins, the sticky buns. <laughs> yeah. And the food wasn't bad either. <laughs> You guys went to the Jiggly Room for breakfast? Yeah!
1: Yeah, we brought you back a Egg McBiggin.
2: Now that's a happy meal. Yeah, but now you won't want my gift. Uh, lunch at the Jiggly Room. <laughs> that's great! Hey, what are we waiting for? Come on, it's almost 11. Let's go! <laughs>
3: So, what do you think of the Egg McBiggin?
6: I thought that was adorable. I thought that was such a good gag. The Jiggle apparently has nice breakfast, nicer breakfast service than, you know, actual Denny's and stuff. So.
3: Than the, the IHOP. I mean, the melons, the muffins, and the sticky buns. I mean, it sounds a little healthier, <laughs>
4: right? It does, yes.
6: I mean, I mean, melons? Come on.
4: The food was pretty good, too.
6: That's right, yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> now, that's a happy meal. <laughs>
6: I, did think that, I didn't have to add that line though I thought it was a little on the nose and the food was good too okay we get it yeah
3: <laughs> now Annabelle you had a note here right so the shoe store opens at 10 and so now it's 11 so he's missed the first hour of work I mean we're going to find out like when he's getting his overtime after 3.30 right <laughs> so he wants to go have lunch at the Jiggly Room it's almost 11 right <laughs> Uh <laughs> So I guess he just puts in as as minimal amount of time as possible. But I thought that was like a good setup and the the prop uh, was very appropriate. So now we're introduced to a woman named Shirley. Now, she's not named in the episode, but that's what the script says.
0: Where do you think you're going? Aren't you open?
2: Sorry, ma'am, but unlike your mouth, we occasionally close.
0: (laughs) I want my money back. These shoes fell apart after one day, and I want to know why.
3: Well, you see, ma'am, this is a pliant heel with a cork filling.
2: Whereas you are a giant seal with a pork filling.
0: <laughs> you haven't heard the last of this. What goes around comes around.
2: Well, considering your orbit, looks like I have about ten more years. <laughs> this place stay open? It
6: doesn't. <laughs> Diana Bellamy, right? She, I thought, I thought she was fantastic. Oh,
3: she's fabulous. So, Annabelle, you want to tell us about uh, the historiosity
4: of the scene? Oh, how it's an inside joke? Yes, like you were saying about continuity, this is a, an exception to the rule. So it's an excellent inside joke for fans, I think. Or we think. Because this actress... Diana Bellamy was the very first fat woman who was insulted by Al in the shoe store way back in the pilot episode. Wow. And we do see that clip later in the epis in this episode. But she appeared in two episodes in season one, The Pilot and Where's the Boss. She also appeared in the Top of the Heap attempted spin-off as a another character, but similar. So The 10-year orbit was correct when you exclude her parents from Top of the Heap, which I will happily do.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, I remember watching this episode first run and I'm like, hey, I remember her. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I think even if I take myself back to watching this in first run, it's like I remember like the flashbacks. It's like, hey, I remember her. I remember her. And this was, I'd say, one of those episodes, I feel like, even though they didn't know it was the end, they were paying tribute to themselves. So I I feel yeah. like it, it,
5: it was a good episode, yes. without giving away my score at this point. But uh, this was pretty good. It's a shame that the actress, Diana Bellamy, she passed away uh, back in 2001. It's a shame she passed away. She would have been someone that would be interesting uh, to interview, just to talk about, you know, tell us what it was like to be there, the very first episode in the whole series and then to appear in an episode in season 11 (laughs) that would have been been interesting to talk to her definitely if
3: you look at her imdb page she was a great character actress back in the day her uh, acting credits go back to tj hooker Uh, in in 1982 (laughs) all the way up until 2001 uh, when the year that she passed away
6: I watched T.J. Hooker. I was a huge Captain Kirk fan. I couldn't wait to see, um, see Bill doing something different. Hmm. So, yeah, I have, to, I have to take a look. I have to take a look after her. Oh, and I, I do have to say, I don't know why Griff apologized for his gift, saying, well, this is going to be kind of lame, because it's lunch. The Diggly room is perfect. I can't imagine a better gift for Alan. and the way Al's face light up is just delightful. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so now we cut back to the living room.
7: Great birthday cake, Mom.
1: Oh, thanks, bud. I've been slaving over it for hours. I'm almost done. (laughs) So, what'd you get Daddy for his birthday?
7: We're gonna tint the windows on the Dodge.
1: (laughs) Great. Then no one'll know we're in the car with him.
7: (laughs) And what are you gonna get the man who has nothing?
1: Me. The gift that keeps on buying.
7: Mom, you get him that every year, and every year he returns it.
1: Uh, actually, he never even unwraps it. Well, this year the birthday royd is going to take me out to dinner with those stupid coupons he got. I'm going to go take a bath. Uh, with the cake? It's a sponge cake. <laughs> Lance loves my sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Mm-hmm. So so what can we say about this birthday cake? I mean, she says she's been slaving over it for hours. As she's eating it? <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, I, I really like how Katie Segala's stage eating. You know, I don't think she actually, like... She, you know, she never puts the fork actually to her mouth, so kind of poking around at the empty space there. <laughs>
4: that was probably but, probably a plastic cake or something. <laughs>
6: yeah, that, that would make sense, yeah. yeah.
4: You remember,
3: uh, Annabelle, you'll remember this. You remember, like, when... Peg makes a cake where she just puts uh, the uh, uh, the what is it the icing on top of the box. Oh
4: yeah, <laughs> it's either chocolate or Uncle Ben's minute rice. Yeah, that's right.
3: <laughs> I mean, like you know, that, that's like again the the absurd era of married with children. But I mean, it, it's funny, and this again is a sponge cake that goes into the bath with her, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm.
4: and that was that was Al's birthday as well. <laughs>
3: I think one of the lines I like in there, Bud says, you know, mom, you get him that every year, and every year he returns it. <laughs> uh, never gets a refund for it, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do have to give the writer credit. Now, you know, Russell Marcus is credited as writer on this. And obviously, from what we've learned, he had the main idea, but this is done with like a writing staff. They were on fire, I think. After 11 seasons, We have lots of sex banter jokes, but this, I feel like the writing was still fresh, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but that was one of the things I enjoyed about the banter on this episode.
6: Yeah, I I liked it because it was quick. It wasn't like lingered over. It was just like part of everyday conversation.
5: Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, as I always say, back to the wheelhouse, uh, you know, (laughs) sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. But for the most part in this episode, it hits. I enjoyed it.
4: Yeah, I would agree for the most part. Like Carolyn said before, you know, sometimes you don't need that extra joke to, you know, sort of belabor the joke a bit. But even the the obvious jokes, you know, it's quite quick and um, well-paced. And even if the jokes don't necessarily land, you've got some great reaction shots like the look Bud gives Peg in this scene. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep.
8: Bud, quick! Somebody stole Dad's car windows! Come on! Come on!
7: Wild idea here, Kel, but maybe the windows are in the doors. What idiot would steal the windows and then put them in the doors? God, people call me stupid. Not just people. (laughs) Haven't you seen the way the dog looks at you? Remember that time your sea monkey spelled moron? <laughs>
3: I feel like even like you know some of the stupid jokes between uh, Bud and Kelly are pretty funny. Uh, you know when he says, uh, "You remember when your sea monkey spelled moron?" <laughs> you know cause, uh, you know Kelly doesn't know to you know roll you know roll up the windows in the car. It's, I mean that, that that's funny. Uh, you, you know <laughs> you got to think about it.
4: Yeah, that was funny. I mean, there are a lot of stupid jokes. Well, a lot of Kelly is stupid jokes in this season, which Matt and I have discussed in previous episodes this season. But this is not as bad as some of those, but still, you know, (laughs) she's been written too stupid. But here, the sea monkey joke was an unexpected one.
3: Right. And you're absolutely right. And, you know, Annabelle, with Chris and I, we've talked about the stupidity of some of this stuff already.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, we're now in, you know, episode nine that you know, we're seeing. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is hard for me to stomach. This is yeah. actually fresh to me. But, you know, mm-hmm. it may not be true for everyone.
6: I have noticed that when Kelly is not the center of a story, when she's a sidekick, as she is in this episode, she can get really, really, really dumb. Like, like how, oh, yeah. does she, like, how does she remember to breathe, dumb? <laughs> 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 what I like about these jokes, they're not generic, oh, look at Kelly, she's stupid. They're jokes about Kelly specifically. They apply only to her. You couldn't just take the joke and just slap it on anyone else in the family. So I really appreciate how they personalize Kelly's uh, denseness.
5: <laughs> yeah, for the most part, I feel like the writing is pretty solid this episode. You know, as I always say, no amount of great acting can make up for bad writing. Uh, you know, and we see that in a lot of instances in the, I guess you could say, the second half of season 10 and for the majority of season 11. But the writing is pretty strong in this episode. I liked it overall.
8: Mm-hmm.
3: So now we cut back to the shoe store and Al returns and he's wearing like some balloon hat. <laughs> i mean are, are they shaped like hooters uh, <laughs> maybe from the side you know if you turn his head I, I
6: don't i don't think particularly but but you you can you can hire people um at a party usually a children's party you know to make fancy balloon hats like that it's a yeah. it's a very, very 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 common american thing yeah
4: well yeah they mentioned a cl- uh, clown so yeah
3: right but I guess at a kid's birthday party, the kid's not spanked by a topless birthday clown, right? <laughs> no.
4: <laughs> that costs extra. I,
6: I, love, I love how Al just added like, like probably a decade to his age just to get spanked more. That's wonderful.
3: <laughs> I wonder who the stripper was, right?
6: <laughs> I have to say that the Jiggly Room's hospitality is much more um, widespread than I thought. Right.
2: Man, <laughs> man, that was great. But Al, you're not 62 years old. I am when I'm being spanked by a topless birthday clown. <laughs> Speaking of spanking, that reminds me, I got a big date tonight. Well take off. I must stick around till 3:30 to get my overtime. <laughs> man, these one-hour days are killing me.
0: <laughs> Remember me, Bundy? no the one you insulted
2: i'm sorry ma'am you'll have to be a little more specific
0: you made fun of my weight you called me a giant seal
2: well let's see i had four elephants i had a rhino who wanted some flip-flops I had a manatee yeah i nah, don't remember any seals can you jog my memory you know what jog is that's what you do when the ice cream truck is pulling out yeah.
6: I noticed that Griff actually had a hot date. I'm always happy when Griff is happy. Because he's such a lonely divorcee most of the time. So yeah. good 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 for Griff. But also mm-hmm. also a way to get him out of out of the uh, even though he's pretty he's been guilty of insulting a few fat women at his time too. So, you know, he was very lucky we luck when he did.
3: Yep. <laughs> that that that's very true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now Al says he's gonna stick around three thirty and collect his overtime, right? <laughs> And and now we have the reentry of uh, Shirley, uh, played by Diana Bellamy. One of the things that I find interesting, for those of you on uh, YouTube, you know they have these things like Al Bundy's best insults, and like you yeah. know, they have like they have a lot of reaction videos. So when you watch those reaction videos, a lot of the ones that clips that appear there are are clips from this episode. Because effectively, this episode is almost like, you know, Al's best insults, but within the episode. And then the reaction videos are reacting. <laughs> it's pretty much the same scene. So like this one that's this one here that came up when um, you know Diana says, remember me, Bundy, the one you insulted. All right? <laughs> and she says, you got to be more specific.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, like, you know, jogging is when the ice cream truck is pulling out. I mean, that is <laughs> one of those ones that appears in those uh, reaction videos. Ah. It's always interesting when it's like a, a younger person. Yeah, so I feel like whenever you see anyone who's in the reaction video, who's like a 20 years old, has never seen the show, like their jaw drops. Because it's like, wow, like this is actually on a <laughs> <on> network television <laughs> <laughs> right. at some point in time. <laughs> hmm so, like, that's one scene. And then you have the, the next scene when, uh, the, um, when all the girls come into the shoe store, right? And they start chanting.
0: <laughs> that's it. What? What'd I say? Al Bundy, you are charged with crimes against obesity. <laughs>
2: Three, four, you're gonna fall through the floor. Okay, I get it. The no ma'am guys sent you guys over here, didn't they? It's the birthday gag. One of you is supposed to jump out of a cake, but you ate it on the way over. It.
0: Bundy, we are activists.
2: Oh, I'd say not quite active enough. <laughs>
1: We marched
6: yesterday,
2: shoe schmuck. What, the million pound march? <laughs> what, what, hams across America?
3: I mean, of course, Al, you know, just keeps the insults coming. Is this one of you supposed to jump out of a cake, but you ate it on the way over,
6: huh? <laughs> <laughs> Luigi, I noticed there was something so sweet in that, though. Because it's, cause he said, oh, no ma'am, send you guys over. So no man knows it's his birthday, too. That's so nice. Right. that's so sweet isn't
3: it that's true that's true his family generally forgets his birthday right so this yeah. year it's actually remembered yeah yeah you yeah. took the word
5: right out my mouth i was gonna say that he finally gets to celebrate a birthday you know half the time yeah. they either forget or like you know mm-hmm. and totally. every bundy has a birthday episode with seven they they gave his birthday away i <laughs> gave it to, a, that's gave, right. it to <laughs> right. a, gave it to seven remember
6: <laughs> that's right it's right. Really-
5: So they
3: said that they marched yesterday in the, uh, what, the Million Pound March or Hams Across America?
5: (laughs) (laughs) So the Million Man March was a large gathering of African American men in Washington, D.C. on October 16th, 1995. Called by Louis Farrakhan, it was held on and around the National Mall. The National African-American Leadership Summit, a leading group of civil rights activists and the, national, and, and the Nation of Islam, working with scores of civil rights organizations, including many chapters of the National Association for Advancement of Colored People, but not specifically the National NAACP, formed the Million Man March Organizing Committee. The founder of the National African-American Leadership Summit, Dr. Benjamin Chavis, Jr., served as the National Director of the Million Man March.
3: Right. And uh, mm-hmm. the Million Man March has been mentioned before. Bud has called her Million Man March. Uh, Kelly, that is. <laughs> uh, and uh, there was also another episode. I remember we talked about that probably a season or two ago. Married with Children has gone th- through this uh, before. I mean, they're still, again, and they're heavily referencing pop pop culture. And, you know, hams across America is a, um, a pun on hands across America. And that was a public event on Sunday, May 25th, 1986, in which approximately five to six and a half million people held hands for 15 minutes in an ostensible attempt to form a continuous human chain across the contiguous United States. This was joked about previously uh, in Hands Across the Suburbs. That was a season (laughs) eight episode. I believe the uh, first one, right? Uh, The premiere, yeah. The premiere yeah. of season eight, which was uh, Annabelle's first premiere on uh, the podcast, as I recall. Hey,
6: wow. Oh.
7: I'd like to have a home, Dad. Got no people, only us. So we must learn.
5: come we don't do that again, uh, the hands across America? You know, I was, I was alive, but I was two then, so of course I didn't participate <laughs> in that. But I wonder did, yeah. did any of you guys participate at all, or no? You
3: know, I, I
5: remember in, it, in, in,
3: but Carolyn, I figured you, you might remember this better than all of us.
6: Well, I remember it. I remember I didn't do it. Let's see. 1986, I was in college, and we just didn't—the funny thing is we were pretty socially active, but things like that, we are start with stunts. I think it's the kind of thing that early Stephen and were taken very seriously. I've been laughed at for yeah. yeah. I think my mom and dad did it in the bunks.
5: I was just going to say, you know, uh, in today's age with social media, it would be a heck of a lot easier to organize. I mean, all oh, would totally, would totally be, would be one person to share it. And then you'd have all these, you know, the big, big stars, you know, Kim Kardashians, LeBron James and such, they'd share it and it would go everywhere. You'd have 300 million people sharing it, you know? <laughs> overnight
6: exactly yeah
3: I was uh, eight years old and I do remember I do remember seeing this on the news you know that's sort of like my memory of it uh, because it was one of those things like for example like the million man March if you remember when we first talked about it in the days before social media like it took, months of planning, like I remember there there was a lot of news publicity saying we're going to have a million man march in Washington, etc. It's on this date. And it was probably, I'm going to say at least three to six months before it actually happened, that there was publicity around that. And something like Hands Across America was one of those things, where it had to be planned months in advance, where today, you'd probably have like a flash mob, right yeah <laughs> and, and so, and social media that, that's just the nature of how things have changed
2: yeah
5: mm-hmm. yeah we should totally try it again my, my only, only thing i got to say about that is if they need to pick the right month because if they pick like if they were to try to do it in august for example no one in the south would do it it's too darn hot oh
6: yeah
5: <laughs> i'm not gonna i tell you right now i'm gonna i'm not gonna stand out there and hold anybody's hand in the month of august
8: or july <laughs> no food <laughs>
5: They need to do it in like October or April. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's too blooming <laughs> hot here in August.
3: <laughs> now I do want to point out this one piece of dialogue, which is hard to hear on the audio because like there's people laughing, and I could never hear it properly. But with the script in front of me, it I actually read it, and it's actually pretty funny, but <laughs> a little biting.
0: Joke all you want, Bundy. We've got all night.
2: You know, I'd love to invite you all to the lobster hut with me, but I don't think I have any coupons for krill.
3: <laughs> so Al says, I'd love to invite you all to the lobster hut with me, but I don't think I have any coupons for krill. So in other words, he's calling them all whales.
6: I did catch that. I re-ran I, and I said, did he say krill? I said, oh, krill, that's great.
3: <laughs> and Annabelle, just uh, thanks for uh, helping me with the dialogue there so I could follow along. <laughs> So I'm assuming Lobster Hut is a pun on something like Red Lobster, right? I don't think... Because that's the kind of place I would imagine would have coupons, right? That's what I would assume, yeah. Mm-hmm.
6: You're not going anywhere.
2: And just how do you girls propose to stop an all-city fullback? <laughs>
8: <laughs>
2: Ladies, I believe we can work this out.
0: You're not grasping the gravity of the situation, Mr. Bundy.
2: Oh, I think gravity has its hands full right now.
0: <laughs> we are putting you on trial. When you are found guilty, you will be punished. Yeah! yeah! Give them in chocolate! <laughs>
3: And, and Al does make a reference that he was an all-city fullback, right? So that is, again, some continuity there.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: The insults continue. Shirley says they're going to put him on trial. And when he's found guilty, he will be punished. So in other words, he is a guilty until proven innocent, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally.
6: Yeah, when totally. he's
4: guilty, not if. Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. I just wanted to interject quickly. Usually that Marie Jones would be the enforcer against Al as he threatened to fall back his out of the uh, shoe store. said they used another lady, that must have been not available because she was a regular, like, uh, lady muscle on the show.
3: That's right. So this is Jennifer Eccles.
6: Mm-hmm. Yep. Very scary.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. she was uh, mm-hmm. one of the uh, former uh, Miss uh, Spring Break uh, contestants, if you remember. She appeared on the Spring Break Part 2 episode.
5: Oh, yeah, sure yeah. did, huh? She was, like, one of the previous winners from, like, 20 years earlier or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, she smacks uh, Al upside the
3: head, as I recall. <laughs> yeah.
6: I've got to watch that. She's very impressive.
3: <laughs> now, you taught me something, Carolyn, when we uh, reviewed the uh, episode with uh, Dexter. Helen Siff, who plays Leona, she's wearing this shirt that says chocolate. It's not just for breakfast anymore. Uh-huh. So, you know, so the uh, so the orange commercials were a little before my time. That was like in the late 70s when I was doing the uh, producing that episode. So so now I know where it comes from. And she's the one who screams out to dip him in chocolate, which I thought was a great piece of continuity.
6: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's right.
3: Because yeah. in my mind, I'm like, I wonder like, if I was the casting director, like that would be like some a great person to interview for this episode would be like, hey, like, how did you know to like call these specific women? And to me, for example, if they called back Helen Sif to play Leona, it would have been like, hey, like your dialogue in the episode was this. So now, like, we're going to tie it back. In other words, you're going to have something with chocolate, which ties back to the chocolate scene right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> earlier. Like, I, I wonder how that would work
5: would be interesting to find out. They, they did a good job uh, with the callbacks on this episode, though. That's for sure.
6: As we're taping this, last night was the last episode of Better Call Saul, which which kind of wraps up uh, Vince Gilligan's Albuquerque. No spoilers. Oh, um, I know, I know. Well, it was the last, <laughs> I'll, all I'll say is that was the last episode of Better Call yeah. Saul. And um, it wraps up a 15-year odyssey in Albuquerque. And Vince Gilligan, the main producer, the showrunner, he has, like, a group of people that he uses over and over again if he can. So I wonder if Married with Children was like that, too. I wonder if, because it, it was such a long-running Hollywood institution by then. I'm wondering if it had, like, a group of people who they just kind of kept in touch with and would bring in again and again.
3: Well, like I said, at least I know, like, Jennifer Eccles had been in.
6: Mm-hmm. Uh, Donica
3: Sheridan, who played Matilda. Diana Bellamy had been in. I mean, it had been quite some time. But it was just, it was interesting the way they constructed it. I mean, and to me, just the fact that, you know, they brought in the first woman from, of all time. Like, I mean, that meant that somebody was paying
5: attention. Yeah, definitely. I give them a lot of credit for that. That was great.
4: The chocolate woman, like even her daughter is in the scene as well. I and mean, she doesn't speak, but. That's right. But you can recognize her. Yeah. And uh, she
3: was in the episode this season, The Jugs Have Left the Building.
5: Yeah you mentioned that when we reviewed that uh luigi yep
6: i i didn't know that that's great
5: nice uh good eye there i didn't even know that until you pointed it out Mm
3: -hmm. yeah and somebody else pointed it i think annabella might have been you Mm
6: -hmm. possibly
3: yeah i i I pay attention you know annabelle like you know whatever you speak i soak it up and i file it (laughs) in the filing cabinet (laughs) <laughs> I've been doing that for the last 25 years, right? I mean, I, I can't take credit for my knowledge of the show. I just read stuff that you wrote, and I just remember
6: it. <laughs> She's got it. That's right. my birthday. I want to use my coupons. You should have thought about that before you called me a rhino.
2: <laughs> how, how do you like your flip-flops?
6: <laughs> they broke.
2: I, I'll get you a new pair right now.
8: He's making <laughs> a free pair!
3: All right. So now, you know, Al has a little bit of dialogue with Matilda, who's played by Donica Sheridan. And this is about the flip flops, because, you know, in the dialogue, you know, she says, you should have thought of that before you called me a rhino. Now, if you remember, when Diana Bellamy comes in the second time, Al says, you know, we had a couple of rhinos, a manatee, right? (laughs) So in other words, Matilda had been in the stew store that day before we see Diana Bellamy come in the second time.
4: Yeah, did they all come in, or or a couple of them come in in the hour that Al was at work?
3: <laughs> I mean, that, that's true. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So again, there's even a little bit of continuity in the episode, but you're right. But when was Al actually in the shoe store? Because theoretically, he wasn't even in there for the day.
4: Yeah, that's what confused me about this episode. I just thought, okay. Maybe some time has passed, but he's he hasn't he's barely been in the shoe store in this episode so what
5: what time was it? you know I kind of laughed when I was watching the episode What time was it whenever al Jefferson and Griff left to go to the the jiggly room it was uh, it was was it eleven about, t- about
6: eleven Is it around eleven yeah All right, Almost, so yeah.
5: So Al, uh, Al and Griff have have the ability to just close the store and leave at Will <laughs> I can't I can't imagine uh, Gary approves of this. I mean, <laughs>
4: well, Gary must have been away because she would have. Been yeah, where on is Gary somehow? by the way?
5: Like you think she'd be here and uh, in, in participating in this somehow?
6: <laughs> well, you know, well, you know it's interesting. Unlike some stores that I've worked in, there's no uh, punch, cl- punching in and out in the clock. So, yeah. so that they probably do, they probably just lie on the books every day.
5: Yeah, I'm sure. She's like, oh, yeah,
8: yeah,
6: we were here till four today. or whatever." That's right, yep. Mm-hmm.
3: All right, so Al tries to make a break for it, and uh, he gets uh, chased into the back room and eventually tied up. <laughs> but in the meantime, we cut back to now the house, and Bud and Kelly are in the garage.
8: Hey, how
7: come you get to read the directions? Because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I get in the car. Uh, Kelly, I know this may be a new experience for you, but, uh, why don't you try the front seat? Oh, wow, this is so cool! All these knobs and these buttons and this big wheel. Does that look a little more familiar now?
8: Oh, yeah.
7: Uh, just get out of the car, okay? <laughs> All right. Now, you put the tent on.
0: <laughs> After I roll up the window.
3: We have a couple of promiscuity jokes here, right? Because <laughs> uh, Kelly's used to always going into the back seat, not the
8: front seat. <laughs>
4: <laughs> We've seen her in the front seat of the car. Either she's lost several brain cells or her memory is just so bad. <laughs> but no, it just comes down to season 11, Kelly writing. <laughs>
6: uh, uh, Ke- Kelly in season 11 is like a goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like no no, no uh, time awareness. <laughs> mm. Okay, now what I think Bud is trying to do here is just give out tinted windows so his car looks cool. I mean, to me, that's sort of a lost cause to begin with, but, you because know, <laughs> it's windows are attached to the Dodge and a Dodge, you know, a Dodge is uh, it's not the worst looking one in the world, but you know, it has its issues, but I just wanted to say I spent right before the pandemic, I spent a month in December in the Bronx County courthouse serving on a grand jury. And yes, it was about as awful as you might think, but about a quarter of the time, the cops had noticed the tinted windows and then pulled the guys over because they were too dark. So I'm just telling everyone out there, you know, just be careful to tint the windows if you live in the city. Because, because yeah, because they were, they were used as an excuse. And the ones Al had looked like suspiciously dark. There's only only so much opacity is supposed, supposed to have on them. So just be careful. You know, so I I, want, I don't think Bud meant to get getting pulled over, but it, it's not going to help them. People get pulled over.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely.
3: Now, that's actually a great point because, you know, when they talked about tints, A, they're very dark. B, I know in New York City those would be illegal. Yeah. Um, because effectively the police have to be able to see you inside the car, which is why I believe that they're illegal. So are they also are tents illegal? For example,
5: in Texas. Yeah, I was just about to say they they have a, like a percentage. They like they have what's mm-hmm. called a, like you know mm-hmm. like a ten percent or a thirty percent or fifty percent or what have you. I can't remember if it's high or low or whatever, but. Uh, you can't be above or below a certain percentage. If you are, then you, they'll ticket you for it. But I mean, that what what he had—that's like a hundred percent. You know, if, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you were driving with that here in Houston, if you were driving that here in Houston, they would probably have several cars pull you over because they would assume you're drug dealing or you know, yep. say, transporting weapons or something, doing something highly illegal. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. What about in Australia, Annabelle? Yeah, you know, I'm curious. It's like uh, I mean, I guess that may be a question for Matt if he was on, right?
4: Oh yeah, I think Matt would have known this already. But there is—I had to look it up just then. There's a site called tintinglaws.com, and it's got basically all countries, etc., listed. But in South Australia, at least, see, I didn't even know we had laws. I mean, you see the occasional tinted window, but I suppose it's more of an issue in America. But in South Australia, at least, uh, a windshield. It says only uppermost 10% of windshield may be tinted. Front side windows must have more than 35% VLT. That's VLT. Don't, don't <laughs> yeah, don't know. Even know. <laughs> um, yeah, and rear window must have more than 20% VLT. So if you know what VLT is, there you go. S- sounds <laughs> naughty. It does. <laughs>
3: How's
8: VLT?
6: In America, at least, it is also considered kind of a youthful thing to do. If you're not, if you're not a criminal, then you're just like a kid with your first car. So I, I, I guess since it is Al's first car, <laughs> it makes sense. So
4: sorry, VLT is visible light transmission.
5: <laughs> okay. Yeah, even though he's in his forties, this is his first car. <laughs> That's right.
6: That's
4: right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, the I'm, Dodge I'm... still red, so points.
6: <laughs> That's right. I mean, we you know Kala at least had, had her star in it, so.
3: <laughs> so now we cut back to the shoe store, and Al is being tied up by Patty, who's played by Cassie Davis.
2: Did I tell you how pretty you look today? <laughs> no. Good, then the blood is still reaching my brain. <laughs> Especially not with juror number two leaving a trail of tamale husks from the food court. Do you want us to gag you? You're already doing that, but I would like to be blindfolded.
6: We will now hear from our first witness. My name is Matilda, and that man is fatophobic.
0: And,
8: and
6: yes. I'll be yes. Order!
1: Big Mac! Filet of fish! <laughs> vegetables!
6: Okay. Uh, a meatball sandwich. I'll,
3: I'll start tomorrow. Diana Bellamy's uh, character, Shirley, she's using a pump as her gavel. <laughs> I love that.
6: Love that. I, I yeah. love details like
3: that, yeah. And and again, like, I mean, you can see the jury sitting down, you know, they set up the chairs that he normally uses in the shoe store and Al's, his legs are tied up, right? <laughs> and of course, he still has to continue to insult them, but... This joke about order in the court, and all of a sudden, you know, they're all uh,
5: yelling out there like McDonald's orders. <laughs> yeah. Right? Kind of uh, reminiscent of that time uh, Kelly goes, I'll have a cheeseburger. <laughs>
3: yeah. Although it's like, you know, the, uh, Patty goes, uh, you know, uh, steamed vegetables, and then. Uh, Gwen looks over to her and is like, no, it's like, oh, it'll be a meatball sandwich and she'll start tomorrow. You know? <laughs>
8: That's right. You know.
3: Yeah, you know, and it's like I've always I, I think we've said this before. I mean, for any of these women who've appeared on the show, it's like, I mean, you got to have a good sense of humor. I mean, because obviously, you know, they're they're pointing out that they're overweight. Right. But mm. <laughs> I mean, they're going along with the joke. Right. And uh, I think when we interviewed. um Jennifer Lyons, I mean, that's one of the things she said. It's like, you know, you, you have to have a thick skin or it just sort of rolls off of you, right? Yeah. Because if, if, you know, otherwise you wouldn't be doing it.
6: Oh, well, exactly. Yeah, and, and another thing, it was like the, uh, oh, I'm forget, Luigi, you much better than the names than I am. But the one where Al had had to take three plus size models in his car for carpooling.
5: Ride right, scare. Okay. Yeah, ride right, okay.
3: Listen, you give me too much credit, Carolyn. You got to go straight to the source, right?
8: Okay. 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 Remember, she's
3: the walking library, according to Michael Moyer, right? (laughs)
6: That's
3: right. Put that on my tombstone. Yeah, I'm just a degenerate, according to Rich Scheidner, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's
6: awesome. That's praise, yeah. I just want to to say, just like those models, these ladies, none of them are slops. They're all nicely dressed, have good hairstyles. A, a couple of them are sneaking snacks when they shouldn't, but other than that, they're very ladylike ladies, except for the, yeah. except for the ones that are tying up, you know, tying all up and stuff. <laughs> but, so, 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 so I, I think that's how, I think it kind of links into what Luigi was saying, you know, they went on the joke.
3: So now we have our first flashback, and that's a flashback with Matilda.
6: I first came to Gary's about two years ago. <laughs> Understand it? I was a size six before aerobics class. All that jumping must have expanded my foot. Then
2: <laughs> I see you must have fallen on your butt a time or two. How
0: dare you say that to my face? Well, I'd say it behind your back, but my car's only got half a tank again. <laughs> what do you say to that, fundy
2: Well, I. I'd say I use heroic restraint, much like the witness's girdle.
0: For every insult, you lose a free meal.
2: Oh, come on. I didn't mean it. Haven't you ever had something just slip right out of your mouth? I suppose not.
3: <laughs> and that's from season 10, episode two A Shoe Room with a View. <laughs> And again, like this is on like those Al Bundy's best insults or reels that you find on YouTube.
8: Uh-huh.
3: So now we cut back to Diana Bellamy. And uh, she's saying that, uh, you know, what What do you have to say about it, Bundy? We find out that she rips every single coupon every time Al does uh, an insult. So
8: uh,
3: <laughs> this is going to be a very insult heavy because effectively they have to show her continuing to rip coupons,
4: right? <laughs> He has a lot of coupons.
6: Well, he probably has someone to register too, but when he first took them out of his pocket, I was like, no, Al, don't show him, that. Don't show him the coupons. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now they have leverage over you. <laughs> right.
2: Come on, it's, it's not like I say this stuff all the time. Oh. Are we finished here?
6: Well, I'm not sure I like this shade of blue.
2: <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll do then. We'll stand you in front of a mirror I'll begin strangling you. (laughs) When you reach the shade of blue that is satisfactory to you, you yell moo and I'll stop.
0: That's it. I'm taking my business elsewhere.
5: May I suggest Jenny Craig? (laughs) The the one that always kills me here is... uh, uh, well, I'm not sure I like this shade of blue. I'll tell you what I'll do. We'll stand you in front of the mirror, and I'll begin strangling you. That that one, it, that I laugh so hard at that one because it, when he deliver, when Al, you know Ed O'Neill delivers the line, it's like very like deadpan. Like it's not in like a like a mean or like belligerent way. It's almost like in a deadpan way. I'll begin yeah. strangling you. <laughs> when right. you reach the shade of blue that's satisfactory, you yell moo, and I'll stop. <laughs> that one always kills me.
3: Right, and, and that one is from season 8, episode 15 Honey, I Blew Myself Up
4: <laughs> Yeah, the episode with Peg's other k- birthday cake
3: That's right so, so now we cut to the scene with Penelope and her mother
2: With this attitude, you're going to be working here for the rest of your life <laughs> Well, take a gander into the seat next to you If you want to see what your future looks like <laughs>
6: Penelope, let's go someplace
0: where they treat us with respect.
2: But try the moon, you're way less. Ahead.
3: Now, again, and this is one of those ones, I think it's like the first one in those in that reel of you know Al Bundy's best insults, right? <laughs> it's talking about the moon, and that's from season eight, episode twenty-one, Nooner or Later. That's right. And then we cut to another one. With Al and Dexter trying to get the shoe on the woman's foot. I mean, she doesn't say anything and
8: just a second here,
2: pe- pick! Get this it. Dexter, get the tranquilizer gun. I'm afraid we're gonna have to tag and release this. One. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: That that's gotta be confusing. I mean, for people watching season eleven in this context, they're used to Griff. They might remember Aaron, but Dexter is this other random guy, and he does get name checked. So there's probably people saying, "Dexter, who's Dexter?" I mean, mate, if you missed right. that episode, yeah. you're not going to know who the hell Dexter is and why why he's in, he's in the shoe store and doesn't know, don't know the context. So it might be a bit confusing.
3: Right, and you know, only a you know a degenerate. Um, <laughs> uh, what can I say? Like 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 you know like a a, 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 a what's the word I was going to say? A degenerate um,
4: nine year old. Um, <laughs>
3: person like myself was going to remember dexter because like i told you he is you know i i want to start the i love dexter uh (laughs) uh, you know fan club on married with children because like i feel like he is the one hit wonder you know he's my one hit wonder and i love that episode just for just for his dialogue and we talked about that carolyn we
6: we we did we did we both agreed that he was like one of you know one of like best sidekicks he he was he, he clicked right away
3: I mean, for the one episode that he that he did, I mean, I'd say he had the best dialogue and the best physical comedy. I feel of his sidekicks, I feel like he could have been someone who would have been great. But unfortunately, they made him a married character. And that's I think, <laughs> it why they wrote him off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But,
6: yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, so hopefully we can get Chai McBride one day or hopefully one day we can get uh, Hill Harper on the show. Uh, talk to him about his uh, stint as uh, Aaron. Oh, I would love that. Now, the final flashback scene we have is with the Shirley character, Diana Bellamy, from the very first insult.
0: Come on, Arnold. We're leaving. I want a balloon.
2: You've already got one.
4: (laughs) 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 So so that goes all
2: the way back to the pilot.
4: (laughs) It's quite, it's quite a jump, isn't it? We've got season 10 and a several from season 8. Then it jumps all the way back to the pilot. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching this episode in 1998 for the first time. That's when it was on Australian TV. And I'm not entirely sure I'd seen the pilot at this point. I must have, but I, I, I didn't have it. And I was missing the first th- three seasons, but I had seen some of it. So to watch this episode and see the clips I'm like, oh cool, flashbacks. So, okay, this looks <laughs> I've got things to catch up on and blah blah blah. But then it jumps back to the pilot and I'm like, whoa. Yeah, cuz <laughs> look at Al's hair, look at the shoe store. I'm like, wow, this is yes. early yes. <laughs> and but I remember being impressed that it was the, the same woman. So right. yeah, it was just a big wow. <laughs> and you know, and in
3: terms of the pilot uh episode of married children and of this podcast. So, you know, I've uh, listened to them all. Uh, listened to a few of them a few times. You know, if we go back to Alex's first podcast, there was this line of dialogue that everybody missed. And, you know, this is me being pedantic. Uh, am I saying that word right, Annabelle? I always, I always get that. Mixed up. <laughs> pedantic, yes. Pedantic, right? Before he insults Shirley...
0: Says I've been a seven since I graduated from high school. Well, these are sevens. The box says
2: nine because, well, uh. Look, lady, you're a nine. <laughs> I can accept it. Why can't you? You're very fresh. No, ma'am, that's impossible. Because for the last hour I've been trying to squeeze your foot into a shoe when I really should have been easing them into the box.
8: <laughs> so I'd say I'm
2: anything but fresh. By the way, you want to
3: tell John Henry over there to give the $100 pumps a rest? <laughs> he says to her, you can you tell John Henry there to give the $100 pumps a rest? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, like, nobody ever really caught on to that. And I remember there was a Disney cartoon that talked about John Henry. And I don't know if any of you know this one.
2: The man that invented the steam drill. He thought he was mighty fine. John Henry drove a hundred and fifty. The steam drill a hundred and nine. The steam drill a hundred and nine. The captain said to John Henry, I believe that mountain's caving in. John Henry gave him long and low to cry. Why it's only my hammer, sucking wind. That's only my hammer sucking wind.
3: John Henry was an African-American folk hero, and he's said to have worked as a steel driving man. So a man tasked with hammering a steel drill into rock to make holes for explosives to blast the rock and constructing a railroad tunnel. And it's the story of John Henry is told in a classic folk song. So it's almost like he can work harder than the machine. You know and that's how I remember like mm-hmm. the Disney thing so you know when Al is being sarcastic to the kid he's like saying like the kid is hammering that hundred dollar pump you know the way John Henry did you know, like you know like almost relentlessly so I thought that that's pretty funny so I mean like when I heard that dialogue the first time that's what I remembered I remember that Disney cartoon and I'm laughing at it so I just wanted to call that out to everyone
5: are, are any of you, any of you guys, um, guys and gals, either either of y'all wrestling fans by chance?
6: Not really, sorry. No?
5: Okay, well, there was a wrestler in the '90s and early 2000s named Mark Henry, and I'm curious if if he was inspired by John Henry. <laughs> I never that never clicked until now, but I'm hmm. thinking he might be.
6: Well, was one of his moves a pile drive? Because that would make sense.
5: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, he was a huge really strong black guy so (laughs) and you know it could have been been a
6: tribute then yes
5: yeah i mean you know most wrestlers use fake names or they use you know they don't most of them don't use a real name so (laughs) i'm thinking he might (laughs) be inspired by john henry in some way or the other
6: it could be well there was a black gentleman named joshua henry who's throwing on broadway right now and into the woods so it's real it's a real name too
5: yeah Actually, you know what? I just looked him up. Mark Henry is actually his real name.
6: Oh, <laughs> he, there you He was
5: a, um, <laughs> a former powerlifter, and Olympic weightlifter, strongman, and professional wrestler. Cool. He's in his 50s now, so hes I don't think he's wrestling anymore, but he was <laughs> – this guy's built like a Mack truck. <laughs>
4: <laughs> There's a film called John Henry 2020 – I haven't seen it, but I just noticed it stars Terry Crews, and that sort of fits perfectly from what everyone's been saying. Oh
6: yes, that that would be yes, he'd be perfect.
3: <laughs> yeah. So now, Shirley's ready to announce her verdict, and Al calls her Judge Cheeto.
0: Ah, no more. No more. I can't take any more. Feeling bad, aren't you, Mr. Bundy? Well,
2: my, my coupons?
1: <laughs> you are incorrigible.
0: All right, I am ready to announce my verdict.
2: Now, just a second, Judge Cheeto. <laughs> now, I demand equal time. Speaking of equal, you really ought to try
6: something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I just got that. Sorry, go ahead.
3: <laughs> Chris, I mean, this is... Uh, Chris will like this. You, you, yeah. you, you, you love this cru- true crime stuff. So, what, so what, what about Judge Cheeto that we
5: should know? So that's a reference to Judge Lance Ito, who's best known for presiding over the criminal trial for the O.J. Simpson murder case. Which was held in L.A. Superior Court back in 1995. His name is Lance. Yep. Lance. There you go. There's another Lance reference, too. That's funny. That's right. Yeah. Charlie keeps uh,
3: ripping the coupons, and he says that he uh, demands equal time. And who shows up but Peg?
0: <laughs> I would give you equal time, but who would be so loathsome and horrid as to defend you?
1: Oh, Al! <laughs> GL, you really are tortured by your customers.
0: <laughs> we are trying to teach this man that his behavior towards us is unacceptable.
2: But a better use of time would be to teach each other the words, no, thank you, I'm full.
6: Does he ever stop?
1: Only in bed. But then he never really gets started, so it's pig, nice.
6: pig. Hey, hey,
1: tell him about the
2: time I let your mother come live with us.
1: I'll take care of this. <clears throat> You can't believe how rude he was to her. So, she's big boned as well. You know, inside her, there's a thin woman just dying to get out.
0: We all say that.
1: No, there really is. Last Thanksgiving, she ate my Aunt Edna. I told her not to stand so close to the pies. That happens. I lost a kindergarten class that way.
2: <laughs> and I'm on trial.
4: Who would be so lonesome and hard? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, what
3: I find funny is when Peg walks into the shoe store and she says, wow, Al, you really are tortured by your customers.
8: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: So well, you have to wonder how many a fat lady walked into the shoe store today. story she's heard over the years,
3: right? <laughs> and no. she doesn't come into the shoe store very often.
6: No,
5: right? no. Yeah, you know, I, one of the things I put in my notes is that it might have been funnier and more ironic if Marcy would have came in and defended him, <laughs> because everybody knows Al and Marcy hate each other, and, and you know, interestingly enough, we don't. We don't actually see Marcy in this episode since Amanda Bierce is directing it.
6: <laughs> that's that, that's right. why we, we hear her from one line and that's it.
5: Yeah. It would have been <laughs> yeah. interesting uh, because, heck, I mean, true. you know, you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, we would have to sit down and tally this, but I think Marcy might actually make more appearances in the shoe store than Peg does. You think about hmm. it, she comes up there quite a bit. That's true.
6: Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, interesting.
5: As the
3: antagonists, right? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas Peg's just too lazy.
8: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. So Peg takes the stand, and uh, we find out that, uh, and again, here's some continuity. Al says, "Tell her about the time I let your mother come live with us." I mean, <laughs> I don't know if he really like. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, allowed. He, he he allowed it. She just showed up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So that was uh, season ten.
4: Hmm. Very recent, and God, yeah, she stayed for a long time, apparently. <laughs>
3: and then you know we have a a, um, a reference to last Thanksgiving when Peg's mom ate Aunt Edna. Now uh, the Bundy Thanksgiving was just a few weeks, you know, before it was three weeks before this episode, right? Uh, was it four weeks? It was episode six. So, I mean, there was no real reference to Aunt Edna. It was just Aunt Maddie's pie, and it really wasn't his aunt. So Mm -hmm. unless it was the year before Thanksgiving, right?
6: Well, it could be that. or or She could have been talking about a wanker Thanksgiving rather than a Bundy Thanksgiving (laughs) out (laughs) of Wanker County. True. Yeah,
4: good point. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm glad we don't get to witness a wanker Thanksgiving. But this episode (laughs) was produced before the Thanksgiving episode. So, again, it's just season 11- Order being random, oh. and also I think it's just it's just a random comment. I mean, the season opener twisted that had a reference to Thanksgiving as well. I mean, was it the this one, the previous one? I mean, whatever. now <laughs> says I thought the turkey was a little dry this year. It's, well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> you haven't had it yet. <laughs>
6: Yeah, now Wanker County, the folks there are pretty weird. But cannibalism is a new one, but it seems to be accidental. So you know, it could happen to anyone.
4: Apparently, happens to kindergarten teachers in Chicago too. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was that was pretty random. Yeah.
3: <laughs> right. So actually, Annabelle, these are your comments. So you want to uh,
4: talk about that? Oh, it's just random comments. I mean, I mean, I always take note of uh, relatives, especially <laughs> Banks, random family, but. Yeah, Al does one of those fourth wall breakages when he says and he looks to the camera and he says, And I'm on trial. Um, <laughs> we get a few looks to camera in this season. Yeah the, <laughs> the largest woman there says she lost a kindergarten class to <laughs> so in a similar way. Just, <laughs> yeah,
6: wow. Yeah.
3: <laughs> we cut from the shoe courtroom to the garage.
6: Okay, now brace yourself. I'm
8: gonna pull it off on three, okay? <sighs> three! <laughs> All right, should we try the blowtorch again? <laughs> Not anything pathetic yeah. again. All
5: right, well, I still think that the razor worked the best.
8: I don't have any eyebrows left. <laughs>
7: Sure you do. There you go.
8: <laughs> <laughs> Our dad's gonna be home any second. We gotta get these bubbles out.
6: <laughs> Fine. Oh
8: no. oh. Oh. Good, bud. Nice time for a nap. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bud, wake up!
8: (laughs) Darn it! Uh, uh, uh. Bad, Bud! Bad, Bud!
3: (laughs) I really love in this scene how Kelly is not as stupid as she appears to be. (laughs) And now we go back to the courtroom.
0: Mrs. Bundy, has your husband ever shown any compassion towards large women?
1: Well, he did like that big mom on What's Happening. <laughs> but then he even made fun of her. <laughs> Al, I'm under oath.
2: Oath? You swore on a sack of pancakes.
4: <laughs> There's a reference to Al liking... Well, Peg says that Al likes that big mom on What's Happening. And that's interesting now, because after interviewing Harold Sylvester, who was on an episode of What's Happening, just given an extra layer of reference to, to Nobody But Us, really. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was cool.
3: Right. And uh, the mom on What's Happening is Mabel King. Uh, she mm-hmm. was an American actress and singer. Uh, she was best known for her role as Mabel Mama Thomas on the ABC sitcom What's Happening from its premiere in 1976 until the end of its second season in 1978. And she was also known for portraying Eveline the Witch, a role she originated in the stage musical The Wiz and reprised in Sidney Lumet's 1978 film adaptation. She recorded on the Rama Records and Amy Records label. Uh, And she died, unfortunately, in 1999 at the age of 66.
6: You know, guys, I may have seen her. The Wiz was the first musical I saw on Broadway when I was a kid. Oh, cool. Yeah, if that was her, then she was really impressive, an amazing voice, amazing presence.
4: Peg
3: says that she's under oath, but uh, she's <laughs> swore in a stack of pancakes, so. <laughs> yeah, so they just keep going. But then it's like finally now we find out that, uh, you know, Peg even turns on them when they talk about midgets. <laughs>
0: I've heard enough. Al Bundy, I find you guilty of excessive cruelty to large women.
1: You should see what he's like with midgets. (laughs) The proper term is little people.
0: Well,
2: that's the proper term for anyone standing next to you.
0: That's it.
1: Hey, that's our dinner coupons, you fat cow. We don't like to be called fat. Then stay home.
2: <laughs> you go, girl.
3: And Patty says that the proper term is little people. <laughs> so you know, again, when you attack a Bundy, uh, all the yes. Bundys attack you, and that's yes. sort of, I guess, the charm of this dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. As well, now, Shirley has also destroyed all the dinner coupons. So even Peg is not able to enjoy, you know, Al's birthday. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. let me add, now Now, the phrase, you go, girl, is that from Oprah? Oh, probably. Sounds, sounds like it. Because I know girlfriend, that, that's, uh, that's from Oprah, right? In the house. I,
6: I, really, don't, I really don't know, but um, we, we didn't really use it that. Me and my friends didn't use it very much. So I'm not sure.
3: <laughs> but I'm just saying that, that was one of those catchphrases. Fr- it was, yes. Back, you know, it, in in that time. I'm just saying, like, it, it, that's when it became, I remember it being popular. I'm just trying to remember where it came from.
4: Well, the, the, there's an Urban Dictionary entry. <laughs> it's not too disgusting. But it, <laughs> it, does, it, it does say, You Go Girl, a network television adaptation of, gay slash inner city jargon. While originally meant to be a quote-unquote hip way of telling a female friend that she has done the right thing, it has devolved into a moronic cliche used by idiots to sound (laughs) hip or by (laughs) Lampooners to underscore just how little respect the networks have for their viewers.
6: (laughs) Oh, Werbin dick.
4: (laughs) Right. But what
3: I'm saying is, is that that, you know, but in the time period in 1996, it was the
4: former, not the latter. Yes. I can't find the origin, if there is one. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the uh, that's about as close as I can come so far. All right. Mm-hmm. Well,
3: so now the punishment begins.
0: Let the punishment begin. <laughs> it's your birthday and you love the jiggly room so much we decided to bring the jiggly room to you (laughs) when all the wrong things
2: are (laughs) jiggling no stop 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 I I have a confession to make oh (sighs) I was once overweight, yes it's true, I was in my early teens, Blubber Butt Bundy they called me, used to stick notes to the back of my husky pants, draw mean pictures on me, put a cowbell around my neck.
0: Kids can be so cruel.
2: Those were my parents. (laughs) So I guess what I'm trying to say is that I make fun of you because I'm trying to deny my own pain.
6: uh,
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they have that perfect music, right, for that.
6: Back then, they wouldn't have needed a boombox. So remember, no no phones yet, no smartphones yet.
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We've heard Mm. that music at the nudie bar before. Yes, we have.
6: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: For for the skinny women, yeah. Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: That was the episode with uh,
3: Pat Morita, if I remember correctly.
6: Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, that oh, a, with I, think it, yeah. I think it was the entrance music for Marcy.
4: Yeah, it was also in um, "The Naked and the Dead," but mostly "The Naked."
6: Mm-hmm.
4: On a cup night,
3: I think. That's, that's right. It. So Carolyn, you've been in all these. You've been in a lot of these gems that we're talking about in this episode, huh?
6: I, a few, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> no, nope, but like I said we we definitely appreciate your comments on this and your thoughts. So, Al, you go girl. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so so Al is horrified that uh, Gwen is stripping, right? Because <laughs> he says all the wrong things are jiggling and so now he makes a confession. You know, here's what I want to say about the confession. You know, looking at it the first time, it was almost like a standard sitcom. It's like like, in other words, the setup was, yes. oh, he's confessing something. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, a peep, I make fun of you because people used to make fun of me and all that. And I'm listening to this. I'm like, something's wrong. Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> to, yes. to, to have been like, you know, like a, again, I was a freshman in college at this point in time. I'm like, something doesn't smell right about this. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, and I was thinking to myself, like, for Al to have been overweight, was this maybe something before he was in high school? Right, before he was the star football player. Like, where the hell does this
5: come from? Yeah, it was, like, not believable. It would have had to have been in, like, middle school when he was 10 or 11 or something.
6: And and, and, and remember, we saw him at that age.
5: Yeah, that's right. true.
6: That's we we true. Literally, literally saw him, and he just seemed like an ordinary-sized kid.
0: Al Bundy, we are dropping all charges against you.
2: Thank you, my metabolically challenged chumps.
0: <laughs> in fact, We are gonna put out the word that Gary's Shoes is a friend to the large.
2: Oh, you don't have to do that.
0: (laughs) It's just nice to realize that we really are no different from each other.
2: You're you're right. No, we're we're exactly the same. Yeah, the only difference is,
1: I stopped eating! (laughs) I never
2: knew
1: that about you. Hey, I lied. <laughs> he just like I tell you, your hair isn't ridiculous.
3: So Shirley says that now, you know, we're going to put the word out that Gary Shoes is a friend to the large. <laughs> 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 and then all of a sudden you get the inkling. He's like, wait a minute. No, he doesn't want that.
6: <laughs> hey, Peg didn't say anything. And she met Al when he was like 16 or 17. So she she would have seen it too. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. yeah so like, like i said so something doesn't smell right and i'm a little mm-hmm. confused and finally mm-hmm. like all the women leave and al locks the door <laughs> yeah and he says that peg i lied
6: <laughs> i think it's great to, to bring us back to a better call saul you know it's a good thing that i had that reinforcement in my head because i was thinking this is where saul came from this is the kind of thing that saul would do <laughs> <laughs> the, the emotional man- manipulation just to wrap things up mm-hmm. and get pe- get people out of your way, say anything anything to them that they want to hear, that might right. move them. You know, truth is well not secondary. It's like way 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 down the list.
3: <laughs> I mean, and I'll even sort of confess this to Peg that you know he, he doesn't tell her that her, her hair looks ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah.
6: <laughs> not not to her face. Yeah, he makes one of her hair out behind her back. Yes.
3: But most importantly, and there's something that we haven't been doing on this podcast in a while, and we have to apologize to our fans. We haven't been keeping track of sex points, and in this episode, Peg gets the sex point.
1: And I should be furious at you, but since it's your birthday, let's just go home, and I'll tuck you in with some biggins. I'm big.
2: My biggins are yours.
1: (laughs) Your biggins, (laughs) Al. Thanks, (laughs) Peg.
2: Peg, you know I gotta tell you, spending eight hours looking at fat women, you don't know. You don't look half bad.
1: (laughs) Oh, honey. (gasps) Oh, (laughs) Oh, pegs! Oh, Lance!
6: <laughs> That's right. Right. Well, a poor, poor shoe star. Well, it's, it's seen worse, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> and again, you know, so. Uh...
4: Oh man, <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> By the way, in that scene where Al's picking up his coupons, that you know you can see the stickers on the on on the counter, but they have Vista instead of Visa. Uh-huh.
6: Um,
4: but underneath there's a, a very obvious Mastercard substitute. I'm just wondering if anyone could make out what that said. It's very very small and hard to read, but it's clearly meant to be a, a, a Mastercard. But you just it's, it's, it's too small to decipher. Maybe if, you know, you know how Stephen Scott
3: talked about how he worked in a movie theater when he was younger. Maybe if he's got a friend, we can put Married with Children up on the big screen. You know. And, oh, that, and that would be great. And that might actually put it to good
4: use, right? So we can actually see what it says. Yes, it says something master, I think.
6: Master Cash, maybe. I don't
4: know. <laughs> so we have
3: one final scene and Jefferson and Marcy have some dialogue.
2: How did you replace Dad's window so fast?
8: Jefferson, get out of the tanning bed. Someone stole the window to my Mercedes.
2: <laughs> Happy, Happy birthday! Uh, ta uh, uh, <laughs> Hey, thanks, kids. Hey, this turned out to be a pretty great birthday after all. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: But the thing is, how do you steal a window out of a Mercedes and put it into a Dodge? I mean, I, I don't know. I've always had that question.
6: Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it, this is more like a sitcom, you know, sitcom logic going on here.
4: Well, they had a time or something. They had to think of something really quick. And then the director herself was like, OK, I'll just say this and then whatever. <laughs>
6: <laughs> and then, then, of course, no one cleaned up the broken glass from when Kelly smashed a hammer into the window.
4: By the way, there's a goof online somewhere. It might have been on Bundiology where I first saw it and then went back and watched the episode. But someone had pointed out that when Bud is unconscious in that scene where Kelly smashes the window, Kelly puts the hammer into Bud's hand and he subconsciously grabs it uh, without oh. Kelly closing his hand around it. So someone <laughs> had put down as a, a goof that okay. unconscious Bud has grabbed the hammer. <laughs> <laughs>
6: And and I I can see that Bud is starting to accumulate his father's history of head injuries. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Yeah. But but, but he got it off somehow, so, you know, good for them.
3: (laughs) So we got to the end of the episode. Stay tuned and we'll be right back.
1: No ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. And we're back.
3: Okay, so Chris, how many coupons are you going to use for this episode?
5: Well, I really like this episode. I think it's one of the stronger episodes of season 11. The dialogue and the writing is very strong. It had some very good callbacks to earlier seasons, in particular, seasons 8 and 9 and I think it was a great idea to bring back uh, Shirley and have her be the judge for the crimes against obesity since you know she was uh, a historic character and that you know the very first time we ever see Al in the shoe store uh, he insults her so I think that was a great idea and I think just in general the idea of having this uh, this trial this crimes against obesity trial was a great idea and for the most part, I felt like the writing and dialogue was very strong. It had some very funny moments, and I felt like it was shown very well. The only, there's just a few things that that keep me from giving it a perfect score, and I'll talk about those really quick. One, I felt like the B plot was kind of weak. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it, it wasn't as bad as some of the B plots we've seen in season 10, seasons 10 and 11, but overall, I felt like it was kind of weak. It was corny. It had some funny moments, but it was a little corny and slapstick in a way. And the the second thing is the lack of, of Marcy in this episode. I realize Amanda Bierce was directing, uh, you know, but it was a shame we couldn't see her, see her on screen at least once. As I mentioned earlier, it might have been funnier and maybe a little bit more ironic to have Marcy defend Al <laughs> there mm-hmm. in the shoe store, uh, especially... You know, as I said, since we all know that those two hate each other, it might have been funnier to actually have Hurt come to the defense of Al. But uh, they would
3: have given him the chair if she
5: was doing that. <laughs> yeah, she, she would have said, "Let's convict him." You know, but you see what I'm saying. It, it would have been ironic if, if somehow they could have, and that would have been a way to, I guess you could say, shoehorn Marcy into the episode. You know, squeeze her in. But I did like the episode. I feel like uh, it's one of the best of season 11, without a doubt, and. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Four out of five coupons.
3: Okay. Very good. Uh, Annabelle, so how many coupons are you going to use (laughs) for this episode?
4: (laughs) Well, apparently a lot more than I thought I could use because I know extreme couponing is a thing in America. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not in Australia. There's always a limit. But I've seen some extraordinary things people buying $100 worth of food and getting it for about $0.06. I mean, that's amazing. So that explains why our has so many coupons. So while we're here, we have a limit of one coupon per per customer. So I'll try and visit at least four stores, I think. Mm -hmm. So like Chris said, this is definitely one of the better episodes of Season 11. I feel like I'm ragging on Season 11 a lot when I say, things like that i mean season 11 is not all bad it's an enjoyable season and it's nice to have the bundy family back together again and talking with each other it's just not the same old faithful merited children blah 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 i mean we'll get into that more i think when we do the season wrap up but this is this is one of the better episodes and it's really great to have flashbacks and they don't overtake the episode but they they help it and it was very cool to see you know a few flashbacks you know from uh, recent episodes and then like i say jump all the way back to the very first episode for two reasons one the nostalgia value and two for showing us diana bellamy the actress who has been there since the beginning and has now come back in season 11 and she's and she's so great and such a presence that to use her as the judge in this episode, Judge Cheeto, was a very, very wise decision. And she's great. And yeah, we there's there's barely any Jefferson, there's no Marcy except her one line, but she is directing the episode, so I think her episodes are usually quite tight, so everything's sort of snappy and well paced. Bud and Kelly's plot with the window, yeah. I mean, it's one of the better Kelly season eleven stories. A, there are the share of silly jokes, but it doesn't bother me so much in 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 this one does it, than it does in in other episodes this season that we've already reviewed and we'll still review. Bud's very shiny blue shirt is a bit distracting. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I don't, I'm don't. i not sure what he was going for, but, yeah, I don't know. But, <laughs> I mean, it was a bit distracting. Bud and Kelly both have very shiny shirts on. What else in this episode? I mean, uh, it's nice when Al acknowledges that, you know, he's got this sexy wife and, you know, even compared to a, a group of large women, she looks good. There's a couple of shots where she's standing behind Al during the strip tease and you can see her her tacky jewellery up close. That's always interesting to me. It's just... Yeah, it's really cool to have all these actresses from old episodes back in in the room. And uh, some shows have done this before. I mean, I think of an episode of Frasier which brought all his ex-girlfriends back for one episode and there's like because he's having a, a a trip through his memory in his own mind and there's one shot he opens the door and all his ex-girlfriends are well not all of them but most of them are standing behind the door and some of them have just come back just for literally this one second appearance so there's some actresses in this episode who have been in the show before and they're just coming in just to, to stand in the background but others get full on highlights and everything so that that's pretty cool and yeah I like the flashbacks as I said <laughs> I mean me and my continuity when Matilda mm-hmm. says that she came to the shoe store two years ago, you know, it was barely just over a year ago, but I'm splitting hairs. So I enjoy this episode for season eleven. I definitely think it's it's up there. It's gonna be very interesting to see how it rates after the whole season is done. So I think I will also give it four coupons. Alright.
3: Very good. So Carolyn, how many coupons were you use for this episode?
6: <laughs> let's see, we're talking like IHOP coupons, or <laughs> okay, uh,
3: Lob- Lobster Hut. Uh, let's see, I lo-
6: okay, okay. Now, now, now I now I have a better idea of what I'm dealing with. Perfect. Okay, yes, like Annabelle, when I was first told, you know, why don't you do this episode? I was like, oh, this one. You know, I didn't remember it. I remember it being a series of jokes and not much more, but when you really look at it though, the structure, I mean, it's got the typical Amanda Burst, like uh, she works so well with crowds of people. She really, she really gives each, each person in the crowd has a personality, even if you don't know her name, you know, the way that they crowd into the space, which is a very, you know, a pretty small space. The way that uh, Bud and Kelly deal with the car and everything, the way that she moves people around in these small spaces that they're in, and each group is distinctive and each person stands out. I love the way she does that. she has a great job here. I wish that we got some scenes of Marcy on camera, even like wishing Ellen happy birthday or something, that would be cute. But of course she had, she had her work. I, I really think Diana Bellamy just dominates the episode. She has a structure. You know, because, because of course, of course, it's absurd that, you know, someone could like watch into a store, lock the door and hold the shoe store, you know, hold the uh, shoe store employee captive. It's ridiculous, but she brings it off. I, I don't know if uh, any of you others are Marxists, but I was a big fan of Margaret Dumont, the straight woman in the Marx Brothers movies, because she had she had a tough job. She had to do a lot of reacting and there was a lot of react, good reacting in this episode. And flashbacks are some good reacting, too, because just as Ed O'Neill can deliver an insult so perfectly, this to the insult is good, too. Nobody, nobody, you know, nobody cries. It looks really, they look shocked, but people just get angry at them. And that really helps, because if people started to cry or something, that would make, make it a very different show. So I, I, think, I think because of the structure and because of uh, that Al, that um, Bud and Kelly have this through line where they're trying to do something for their dad, it's the usual disastrous for adults. I love how Al goes out with his friends, and then later he wants to go out with his wife. So Al is not alone on his birthday, which is kind of sweet when you think about it. So I would give this—I would actually give this four and a half coupons to Lobster Hut. Okay,
3: thanks for that. Go
6: girl! Yeah, (laughs) girlfriend. (laughs) Oh please.
3: I don't have many more comments than what you all have said already. I think to me, I think the the concept was great. Chris and I, in the last episode we reviewed, the jugs have left the building. I had said that I liked the B plot better than the A plot. And, and that was, uh, for everyone's uh, To refresh everyone's memory, that was Jefferson and Marcy making believe that they're Alan Pegg, they're role-playing. <laughs> so you know, That was the B-plot of the episode, but I thought that was better, uh, better put together than the A-plot. Yes. For this episode, the A-plot is definitely the much better plot. The B-plot was very weak, so I can't give it a five. But the B-plot was also very quick. Yeah, I mean, it was. They literally had maybe twenty lines at most between between uh, uh, Christina Applegate and David Faustino. So it all goes back to the shoe store. I think that they did a wonderful job with the callbacks. Even just when I reflected on it, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like every single coworker, Al's coworkers, is actually on screen. We see that person even if even briefly. Yeah,
7: so that's cool. I,
3: So that's one part. Again, the only episode of Married with Children where you see that inadvertently. I just thought the rapid fire jokes, not with like a lot of payoff. Like one of the things I said in the last review that we did is where I find comedy in Married with Children is when there's a couple of jokes and then like 10 minutes later, there's a payoff, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and that to me is what makes it funnier because You know, the writer has to sort of construct something to make that payoff happen. And when it happens, rapid fire. Yeah, like it's funny, but it doesn't necessarily like, you know, it doesn't make it memorable. Here are the jokes like at the beginning. I think they all stuck. And that's what I said at the beginning. So I'm actually with you, Carolyn, and I'm going to give this a four and a half. Yay. Four and a half coupons for uh, (laughs) uh, for this episode uh, at Lobster Hut. Finally, you know, hopefully, because that's what I like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for this week's episode of uh, the married with children podcast and Carolyn you know just on behalf of the podcast we really want to thank you you've been a guest co-host for us uh, the whole time that this uh, era of the uh, podcast hosts have been here so seasons 8 9 10 and 11 so thank you I think we get some great comments when you're on uh, and you've always had some great uh, things that you bring to the show so thank you for joining us on the podcast and thank you for your uh, service to the married with children community over the past uh, 26 (laughs) years right
6: (laughs) oh my goodness at least that's right that's my back 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 to you (laughs) (laughs) thanks for having me i always being on this podcast reminds me how much i love the show and that's always nice because this is the version we sorely need
3: Yeah. And like I said, you know, just, you know, stuff going back to Bundyology and all that. Yep. The work that you and Annabelle did, you know, through the years, you know, we really appreciate it. And, you know, uh, I don't know if we'll be able to get you on uh, before we end this, but, you know, we'll try to do something. But thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, uh, hopefully that Fang uh, roundtable will uh, materialize soon. Right, Annabelle?
4: Yeah, that's the plan. Just going to wait till everybody is available.
6: Okay.
3: (laughs) So that uh, that's it. So anyway, uh, anything else for anyone?
5: I think that's it. It's been fun. It's uh, always as you know, just as Luigi said. It's always great to have Carolyn. You know, she's amazing, and of course Annabelle's amazing as well. It's always it's always available. Thanks. It's always great to record with y'all.
6: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, All that's right. so sweet. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Uh, remember that line? It's like, well, it's like, no, please. He just wants his clams, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's enjoying his clams, right?
4: Anyway.
6: He's talking to the clams. <laughs> well, it's breakfast
4: time for me, so I can go and get an egg McBiggin. <laughs>
6: that's right.
3: And I hope you enjoy it. All right. So next week on the Married with Children podcast, Team Australia will be reviewing The Stepford Peg. Al is planning a get-together for the guys, and they'll be watching Wrestling From Cable. Al wants Peg to help, but she declines. Then Peg has an accident where she hits her head and gets amnesia. Kelly, Bud, and Al are then amazed to see Peg cooking, cleaning, and doing other housework. They decide to milk the situation for all it's worth. This is a great episode, and I'm looking forward to it. So hopefully you will as well. And tune in again next week, as always. Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel.